We just want to uh, bless and honour Mark and Lindsay because we had such a great time here when we worked here. And Chris and Nell, you know, we'll bless you and we want to pray for you. Uh, be assured, Jan, I will pray for you as you settle in here at, uh, at St. Paul's. Um, we want to talk a little bit this morning uh, about living a supernatural lifestyle. Jan and I live in South Africa with a family in Cape Town. And it's a place we never ex- expected to live. We never really expected to live in, in Africa. Um, Cape Town is, a, I suppose, a, a third world or a second world city with first century pretensions. Parts of it you'll go to, you think you're, you're in London or, or the best you know, shopping centres, but you, you go a couple of miles down the road, then you'll be in the, the townships, the black townships or the coloured communities where there's lots of gang warfare and stuff like that. So it's a city that's mixed. Uh, John and I did a church, a little church called St. Luke's in a place called Deep River, D-I-E-P, which is Afrikaans for, for the, our word deep. And um, it's, it's traditionally, it's a colored church. Uh, Cape Colors are a group of people that have uh, originated really only in the Western Cape. You wouldn't find anywhere in South Africa. And it is from, it's a, it's a term that we first, when we first heard, we thought, oh, you can't use that word. You know, it's a word that we don't really use over here, but it's a word that is used over there as a, to define a particular people group. And our church is, is moving forward. We're a very small building physically, um, and we're excited to see what God is doing. And our, our goal is to, is to grow, is to grow and to, to see multi-generational uh, church with multi-ethnic church, multicultural church. And to be an example within the context of South Africa of what God can do uh, when we just allow him to come in power and bring reconciliation. Our, our mission statement is to build bridges, that we believe that we exist to build bridges to connect people to God and to one another. And so we're actively looking now, we launched that about six weeks ago, we're actively looking now at how we can build bridges within our context in the southern suburbs of South Africa. We, we live in a lovely house in South Africa with the, a gorgeous view of the back of Table Mountain as we wake up in the morning and the sun's shining, which is, it does a lot, which is lovely, and we, we, we gave God thanks for that. And we're just grateful because more than moving us into a new country or a new city or a new church, God has moved Jan and I into a new season in our lives. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to go and live abroad or move into a different country, but it can be very stressful. But what we have found, that being thrown into the deep end, God has taken us on a journey of faith. And God has developed us both as a couple and as individuals to trust in Him more and more and more and more and more in, in many aspects of our life. He's challenged us. He's stretched us. He's changed us. And, and for that, we're grateful. Well, we've seen victory, but to get to that place of victory, you need to go through that, that tunnel of, of courage. The, the victory begins with a vision, so you have a vision, but that vision is fulfilled by courage. Rosa Parks said, without the, people, without the vision, uh, the people perish, but without courage, dreams die. And I think... We've been challenged to say we've always known what it is like to, where we want a church to go. But often we haven't had the courage to step out and go for that. And we're at the place now where we don't really have the resources. We we've sometimes often feel we don't have the capabilities. We, we don't have the understanding of, of, of the culture of South Africa that much at the moment, but we're learning. And, and we've made many mistakes. 
But we feel God is saying, will you come on this journey with me? Will you step out in faith? Will you have faith for this? Will you trust me for that? Will you be confident in me? Will you live a supernatural lifestyle? Will you live such a lifestyle that, that what is supernatural, and when I use the word supernatural, I don't want you to get all, all worried and think it's going to go off all ethereal and stuff like that. But I believe the supernatural lifestyle is what is, should be standard for Christianity. The supernatural lifestyle I see in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through to 8, you know, proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, you know, cast out the demons, freely you've received, freely give. I feel that that is what standard Christianity should look like, and I think we're very good at proclaiming the gospel, but maybe we've forgotten a little bit about what it is to cast out demons and pray for the sick and raise the dead. Somebody died recently, um, who we know, and, and they died of cancer. We've been praying for them for healing and the, the healing didn't come through. And she died. And, and Jan and I went down to see the, the husband and, and Jan went, we must pray for her to rise from the dead. And I was thinking, okay, you can. That's great. You go for it. You know, and we praise God, if, if this is an opportunity, if you want us to do this, then first of all, give us a faith, because our hearts started to go like this. You know, if we're going to stand up and say, standard Christianity is about healing people, God healing people, but proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and raising the dead, then we've got to be prepared to do that. And we, we did get there, the body wasn't there, and, and for various reasons we didn't feel it was right. But we did get to that place where we'd be prepared to do that if we felt that God had led us to that place. And, and this standard Christianity, this living a supernatural lifestyle can be frightening. But it's what I feel God is calling each of us to do within our own contexts. Particularly for us in relation to praying for healing for people. That is something really I'd never ever really focused on. That was for other people. There was other people who prayed for healing. And I wasn't, I've got to be honest, I wasn't particularly interested in that. It didn't sort of, you know, excite me. You know, give me a good theological book or get me up, you know, give me a pulpit so I could preach. I'm really glad to see we've got the same pulpit here that we had how many ever years ago I was here. That got me a bit praying for somebody for healing. But God has given me a kick out the backside to say, you know, every time you pray for somebody for healing, the kingdom of light is advanced and the kingdom of darkness is crushed. As it says in 1 John, it says, you know, the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the enemy. And so we've been challenged to, to move and to step out in faith. And, and we look at uh, Peter and John in this story in Acts. And here, a chance encounter led to a changed life. One of those encounters where you would normally just walk past the person, but that chance encounter led to a changed life and to the witness of Jesus Christ being lifted and people being amazed. Do we want people to be amazed at our God? Do we want people to be amazed at what our God can do? Do we want people to have their life changed, the people that you rub shoulders with each day? Do you want to see a life changed? I know that you do. And in a sense, it's a redundant question. But sometimes asking the question can jar us back into action and bring us back into realignment with what God wants us to do. And John, I just want to share four things from this story of Acts. 
about living a supernatural lifestyle. First of all, the, the, the priority of prayer. If you look in verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. And I know we say we must pray, we must pray, we must pray, we must pray, but do we pray? Do we get into that secret place? Do we get on our knees? Do we bow before the King of Kings and make that a priority for our lives? Because everything that happens flows from that relationship, flows from that place of kneeling, of adoration before Jesus Christ. But getting into this, I think it was C.H. Spurgeon who said, he or she who does not worship alone does not worship. He's basically saying you can gather in a group like this and you can put your hands up in the air, you can dance around, you can praise the Lord, but if you're not doing that in the secret place, Psalm 91 verse 1 says, he or she who dwells in the secret place will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. A.W. Tozer, who's a favorite of mine, you may have read some of his stuff, said, the world is perishing for lacking the knowledge of God and the church is famishing for want of the presence of God. The instant cure would be to enter the presence and spiritual experience to become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. That as you walk here this morning, you're walking in the physical realm, but you're seated in heavenly places. That you have the army of angels, God's angels, walking with you. That as you walk, the kingdom of darkness shakes. We heard a story recently of uh, a friend of ours was preaching. He told the story of how, how he, he chatted with a, with a warlock, a practicing warlock in a coven, a witch's coven. And, and he said that, 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 that they could recognize Christians by the light. They could see this aura of light around. They could tell who was Christians, who wasn't. And they could tell, they say that there's Christians who come and they, they walk like this. And they say, that, that doesn't bother us. We just, you know, we just disdain them. But sometimes there are Christians who are coming and they're walking like this. And when we see a Christian walking like that, we have to get onto the other side of the road because we can do nothing against them. You are seated in heavenly places. And we're constantly reminded of that by getting into that place of prayer. Paul says, I want to know him. How much do you want to know him? Really? In your gut? I'm sorry if it's so in your face, but how much do you want to know God? How much of him do you want in your life? Jan. So looking at um, priority of prayer, um, this has just really been where God's taken me and taught me the most in the last two years because it's been very difficult as a sort of wife and mother trying to get four sort of three teenage children, you know, into school and actually enjoying being where we are because at that age it's a difficult time to move from your culture to a completely different culture. And schooling is so different over there. It's, um, and it's just very different. And they, there was a lot of things that we've had to make adjustments to. And my heart has um, just cried out to God. And often, I don't know, I have lots of things that I get worried about. I'm sure you're not like that. And lots of things that I get very concerned about. And I just, I try to fix it. I try to think, oh, I can do, you know. But actually, when you're out of your depth, you can't. And the only place you can go is to God. And God's really been reminding me not to come with my shopping list. And he's, he's, this phrase, 
is, you know, seek my face, not my hands. And that's just really made me realize, actually, if I seek, my, seek your face, Lord, then the rest is actually yours anyway to deal with. It's not mine. I don't need to worry about that. If I'm just seeking your face, then circumstances and situations will take care of themselves. And it says in Psalm 27, it says, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. And I read that just the other day, and I just thought, yeah, that's you know, a reminder again what I'm to do. Not your hands, but your face. Also, another favorite verse is in Isaiah 45, 3. It says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord. And this has really reminded me that actually seeing spiritual breakthrough in my children's life is far more important than, you know, schools. Obviously, it's important to be settled, but actually... Those are the riches that are stored in secret places. And to see my children um, worshipping the Lord, praying for people, um, for healing and things, is, um, you know, just so what my heart's desire is uh, as a mother. So, yeah. So, so the priority of prayer. Second is scrutinize the obvious. If you're going to live a supernatural lifestyle, then scrutinize the obvious. What does it say in verse 2? Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This beautiful gate was probably about 75 foot high, double doors, it was covered in brass. Josephus said it was, it was more beautiful than, it wasn't covered in brass, it was brass. Josephus said it was more beautiful than any gate that he'd seen that was covered in gold and silver. And you have this gorgeous contrast of, of this gate, this magnificent gate gleaming in the sun, the sun and th- this broken man lying, despised and rejected. We see that a lot in South Africa. If you come to South Africa, every time you stop your car at the traffic lights, there'll be a, a knock on the window or somebody will come and try and sell you something or begging for money or use a child. And every so often you want to go, ah! You know, if I gave a rand for every person that came asking me for money, I'd be much poorer than what I am. And yet my heart cries out to, 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 to those people who who were driving around in, in, in nice cars, and yet there's such brokenness. It's like the, the beautiful gate and the broken person. It's, it's, it's like that over there, but it's also like that over here. It maybe isn't just quite so obvious. He was a sick man all his life. He'd been broken. He had to be carried. How humiliated to be carried. People walking by him all the time. People walking by and missing the obvious, missing the real pra- the pain, the real desperation on their doorstep. And, and while it's great, we have Becca and Henny, and I mean, it's bizarre that we're in the same continent and we have to come over here to meet one another. But, you know, we, talk, we hear what Becca and Henny are doing and we're going to try and go there and visit them. And you hear the, the hardship and the struggles over in South Africa, but there's still that over here in this country. And you need to scrutinize the obvious. You don't have to go abroad to pray for healing. You don't have to go abroad to cast out demons. You don't have to go abroad to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. People every day you're walking by need a supernatural encounter of the living and almighty God. They're crying out for it. Jan. What we've we've been doing um, in our church is um, we have a treasure hunt once a month. And I don't know if you know what treasure hunt is. It's where you just gather together on a Saturday morning, a few of you, and... um, we pray for about half an hour, just asking God um, for pictures, for names, for people that he wants to have divine appointments with that day. And um, I went uh, a couple of months ago with Rowan, my youngest, 
and um, two other guys. And we just sat and prayed, and we had names, we had street names, we had the name of a girl, we had a bakery was also the other thing that came up. So we went to Cork Bay, which is about 20 minutes away from where we were. We drove down there, we found the bakery, and we had the name Vivian. And of course, Vivian wasn't there, so obviously she wasn't listening to God that day. (laughs) But um, anyway, we just kind of thought, okay, well, let's just wander down the road, and um, we'll see what else there is. And we came across these four buskers who were just, you know, it's a kind of a holiday destination, Cork Bay, you know, there's lots of people around who are just wandering around the shops. And um, they were coming down the road towards us. And um, we're wanting um, money. So I kind of said, oh, you know, will you play, play for us? And they said, oh, yeah, that would be great. And I said, well, um, as long as we can pray for you in return. And they said, yeah, all right, but you must put something in the, in the hat. So, you know, they, they played and it was great. And then we prayed for each of them. Apart from one guy didn't want to be prayed for. He was like, no, you don't need to pray for me. And they all had various um, conditions, bipolar and arthritis and... Um, And so we got round, and one of the chaps we prayed for, we just um, prayed for reconciliation, and his eyes um, just opened wide, and he said to his sort of friend there, he said, I need to say sorry to you, I really need to say sorry to you, you know, we've fallen out and we're not getting on, will you forgive me? And the other guy just said, yes, yes, absolutely, and they hugged, and it was not what we were kind of looking for. We were looking for this, you know, woman and that God had an appointment. But actually it was exactly what God wanted to do that day was to reconcile this relationship. And as soon as that happened, the other chap that said, oh, I don't want to be prayed for, said, oh, will you pray for me as well? So it was just amazing. And then, you know, it was just a lovely story of reconciliation and you know we could have gone away disappointed and thought oh well what we'd prayed for god you know you didn't see happen but often you know god it's god's agenda it's not ours and so often we can get fixated on what we want to see happen and actually it's all about him i'm just conscious of time because we want to pray for people so i'm just going to sort of wrap up so we can pray for people but you have the priority of prayer you have you scrutinize the obvious um, you, you have offer all the resources of heaven. Here in, in verses 3 to 8, you see Peter and John saying, we've got nothing apart uh, from the resources of heaven. That when you go into a situation, you're not going empty-handed. You have all the resources of heaven. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through to 23, that you, you, you have the riches, the glorious inheritance of Jesus Christ. That when you walk into a situation, you have those things. It's easy to pass by opportunities thinking that you don't have what they need. But in every situation, you have what they need because you have Jesus Christ and His healing and His grace and His goodness to offer them. You can offer the resource. You know, heaven, I love Heidi Baker, who we're trying to get her down to Cape Town um, to, to come and speak at our place. And, you know, she goes into remote villages in Mozambique uh, where they've never seen a white person before, they'll go in and she'll say, they'll have worship and, and she'll preach and then she'll say, uh, one thing I saw that she said, there's somebody here who's blind, there's a blind woman, we're going to wait until the blind woman comes and they waited 20 minutes and eventually out of the, 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 the African uh, bush, this woman came who was blind, she said, do you know this woman? And they all said, yeah, we know this woman. Is she blind? Yes, she is blind. We agree that this, we know this woman, and this woman is blind. And she says, okay, I want to show you what my God can do. And uh, they prayed, and the woman received her sight. 
offering all the resources of heaven. Yeah. Be fairly brief. Oh. <laughs> Getting told what I need to do. <laughs> Um, I go into, well, I've recently started going into Polesmore, which is a huge, huge prison uh, in Cape Town. It has 7,500 inmates in it. And I've been going into the women's section to run Alpha in there. They have a work where they can work, an area that they can work in, textile unit. And it's just been an amazing privilege, really, to go into this prison and just to share Jesus with these women. But going in, I kind of was quite, you know, frightened. And I just thought, what have I got to offer? You know, I'm white. I'm the wrong color. I don't understand the culture. I'm middle class. And what can I give? You know, what on earth have I got? But I was just reminded, I was reading a book about our royal heritage. You know, as um, daughters and sons of the king, we have access to the palace. You know, it's our place to run around and play in, really. And... Um, God wants us to use it, to use all the treasures that are there and to have access to them. And um, I heard a lovely story about a, an eight-year-old girl who had, was at a prophetic conference and she went up for prayer and the, the guy who was preaching said to her, you have access to the palace and you're going to meet with your heavenly father. And she looked up and she said, oh, I do, often. Often at night, God comes to me and he takes me by my hand and he leads me through the palace and he shows me all the rooms in the palace. And he, she said, just the other night, he opened one of the doors, and in there was a whole room full of arm, limbs, arms, legs, and things. And he said to her, you can come and use this room. You have access to this room whenever you want it. And I just thought, wow, this was an eight-year-old. So the guy who um, was uh, the prophet chap said to her, will you pray for me? She said, yes, of course I will. You know, and it's just a reminder that actually, as sons and daughters of the king, we have access to all this. And it's all readily available. And I, um, just quickly, reminded the story in the prodigal. You know, the other son said, you never did this for me, father. You know, and yet he did. It was always there, always readily available. He could have had a fatted calf whenever he wanted it. But he just didn't. And just... just to close the fragrant effect of a supernatural life if you look at verses 9 and 10 when all the people saw him walking and praising God they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them you can affect more than you can see and more than can see you you can affect more than you can see and more than can see you when you walk into a room you change the, the atmosphere of the room by your very presence you're, you are the the, the light of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. The light of Jesus Christ resides in you. When you walk into a place, you change the very atmosphere of the room simply by being present there because Jesus Christ is within you. His spirit is within you. And you can go with confidence. I think of the woman anointing the feet of Jesus in John chapter 12 where it says that gorgeous phrase, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. A guy wrote these words, I've made a decision, I've made up my mind and set my heart to declare, I'm going to pursue the presence of God in my life. I'm going to get so close to God that when I walk 
uh, into a, sec, a space and a, and a public places, people will meet him. They may not know that I am here, but they will definitely know that he is there. I want to be so saturated with God's presence that what I, when I take a seat in a plane, everyone near me will suddenly feel uncomfortable if they are not right with God, even though I haven't said a word. I want to encourage you this morning to reconnect with your living God. I want to say what dreams have you let go of that you need to re-grasp and ask for God to give you courage. What areas of your life do you need victory? Do you need breakthrough? Are you working out the standard Christianity of proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Have you pressed him? Have you sought God's face? Will you commit to prayer, to scrutinizing, to, to offering, to, to effect? Maybe the application for this is you pray this week that you will have an opportunity this week to pray for somebody in your workplace, in your family. Or maybe God would give you a prophetic word to speak into somebody's life. Let's stand, shall we?